chapter 23 in the Bible, Matthew chapter 23. <clears throat> and we're going to look in verse, we're going to read verses 1 through 11 here. Pardon me, verses, let me make sure I get that right. We'll read verses 1 through 12 of Matthew 23. We'll read verses 1 through 12, and then we'll concentrate in our message on verses 1 through 4. And Jesus is speaking, this is the week before he's, the week of his death, and he gets a lot of teaching in, and he is letting one group of people just have it. And so let's read a portion of that. <clears throat> Matthew 23, verses 1 to 12. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and, and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move, one, move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be ye not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ and all ye are brethren, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. This passage of Scripture reveals Jesus' issue with a group of people in His day called Pharisees and scribes. He also had His moment of addressing Sadducees. These are the, some of the religious elite of the day. They weren't 100% bad. Uh, Sadducees had a certain plus and minus to them, mostly minuses. Pharisees the same. But here, Jesus begins to expose what they're really like. You know, sometimes this happens all the time. Um, I, I get I get tired of it, but after a while, I'm real. After reading what Jesus says here, I'm like, well, this is normal. What I'm saying is like when you read in the paper, read in a story of some religious leader or some pastor or some uh, maybe person that's supposed to be good, and you find out they're bad. Not just bad like everybody's bad, but like really bad. Like they've been a womanizer and you didn't know it. Or they've been a gambler and they had this secret habit. Or, they, or they've been stealing money. Or they've been, um, you know, they're like this great team leader of this great ministry. But you find out they're just as nobody in their staff loves them and he's like a big bully. If you just keep your ear to the news, even if you slightly keep your ear to the news, you're going to hear stuff like that. You'll hear names of, that was such a great guy, such a great author, all these books, and you find out he likes to eat all these massage parlor he's going to, and he's having this 
thing going on with this, and you're going, oh, great. Right? Anybody hear stuff like that? Okay. Uh, or it, I'm kind of picking on the religious side because that seems to be the side that Jesus does. But it happens in politics, too. And, and then another, oh, another, oh, that guy again. How's this guy? Or then maybe somebody locally. And then after a while, here's what I'm getting. After a while, people start getting this cynicism. Are we all just playing games? Is this all a game? Is Christianity a game? Is it all a show? Because hypocrite means show, actor. And that's how we can get. And you got to watch out getting that attitude. That's bad too. Being a hypocrite and being a phony when you're supposed to be a, a spiritual leader or whatever, even if, it's, even if you're not a famous person, and we're talking about you if you're a leader in your home or a leader in another group, this applies to you too. It applies to me certainly. But you can get words like, it's wrong to be a hypocrite, we're going to get into some of that, but it's also wrong to just throw up your hands and say, everybody's fake and everybody's phony. That's not fair to do either. Jesus dealt with this and he sorted through it. He's sorting through the phonies right here. He's not saying, woe unto you, everybody, everybody's a phony. He's identifying a particular class that has a particular tendencies, and he's nailing them. Jesus spoke of the root issues. Whenever we hear about what I said before, a religious leader, a spiritual leader, and there's some bad, ugly thing that's revealed, or maybe somebody that you know, that nobody maybe isn't famous, but you dealt with a pastor, you dealt with some Christian leader, and you're like, man, that was bad what I found out about them. It was so bad. They think that everybody thinks they're this and they're really that. Whatever the case is, most of the time, the problems on, on hypocritical leaders like that are found, the root problems are found in the words that Jesus identifies in this chapter. He speaks primarily against Pharise Pharisaicalism, being a Pharisee. You know, do you ever, this is Arizona, it's pretty dry, but sometimes we fight mold, don't we? You know, um, we found a small bit of it in the kitchen here, not much. It wasn't spreading to anything, but we found a small bit when we did some uh, gutting of this beautiful sink there, Greg. That was such a beautiful sink, wasn't it? <laughs> we found a little bit of mold, no big deal, cleaned it up. But, you know, in some places where it's humid, they're fighting mold. You've got to fight mold. You've got to fight it in your clothes, you know, right? Uh, some of you that have lived in the south or some other places are humid, you, 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 if something sets in humidity too long, you gotta, it, there's mold. You've got to find ways to keep it dry, whatever. Um, Jesus is fighting a mold. He constantly was fighting a mold in, in, a, in his day, a leaven, a fungus of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. Their attitude, their ways, their style, their religious style. He was af not afraid, but Jesus was concerned when he had seen the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes and his disciples. He warned his disciples, watch out for this leaven over here. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Watch out. You start adapting their style, it's a mold. It's bad. Jesus was constantly 
In Jesus' day, remember when Jesus came, there was already a religious establishment. The religion was right. The ways were right. It was from the Bible. We're not diminishing that. It was Moses. But, the, but they got organized and so developed into different parties and different things like that, that one particular group, the Pharisees, who found a kind of successful days in the days of the Maccabees when they restored their religion against Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes, and they, they kind of had like this... Uh, revolution or reformation that the Pharisees are part of. And then as they grew more popular in time, it, it became more about them and not God and their glory and not God's glory and their righteousness and not God's righteousness. And the Pharisees became something ugly. And Jesus, by Jesus' day, Jesus training disciples in the context of other um, toxic type of religious attitudes within Judaism. So he's telling his disciples, don't be like this. And my whole point is, and we'll probably have a couple of messages that I want for myself and I want for us is, let's just be Christians, not Pharisees. Right? Even in these words, Jesus, when he's talking about saying, hey, don't call anybody rabbi, rabbi, He's not saying in and of itself it's wrong to say rabbi. He says, don't call any man master. He's not saying in and of itself it's wrong to become, be called master. When he says, don't call any man father, he's not saying in and of itself it's wrong to call somebody father. What he's saying is, quit, quit making your religion all about this party and this man-centered Pharisees. He's my rabbi, 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 master, father. Jesus was pre, and what he says is, you are brothers, and I'm your master, Christ. You have one master, me. He's saying, let's be Christians, not some focused on these other man-made, man-focused type of religion. Man-focused type of, man-centered type of spirituality. He's saying, let's be Christians, not Pharisees. And that's what we need to get. We can get to where we become very man-centered in our spiritual life, in our ways, in the church we go to. You can get too focused on men or favorite preachers or favorite people, and you become very man-centered. So here Jesus is doing this. He's battling the fight. He's fighting the mold of, and the leaven of Phariseeism. This is a scathing chapter. I'll give you a few samples. Look at what he says. Chapter, this same chapter, verse 13, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, exclamation point. Verse 14 says the same thing. Verse 15 says the same thing. Verse 16, he says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides. I mean, this, this would not make it on mainstream religious television. This is too rough. Hypocrites! And then he's not done. Look what he says, verse 17. Ye fools and blind guide. Look at verse 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You're like unto whited sepulchers. Look at verse 33. He's not getting softer. Ye serpents, ye generations of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? I can't imagine Joel Olstein saying this. Ye serpents and vipers. You know, I can't, you know, I can't imagine him saying that. (laughs) 
The Pharisees, they, and the scribes, the scribes in particular, learned and copied the Scripture. I mean, they were meticulously copied. And that's good. There wasn't wrong with being, there's nothing wrong with being uh, a scribe. Ezra was a scribe. And there were some Pharisees that were good that converted and became Christian. They, Pharisees knew sound doctrine. They were probably, we would probably identify more with them than the Sadducees. I know we would. Except on, on paper we would, on their doctrine, but not with their attitude. Sadducees denied, they were kind of like the liberals in theology. The Pharisees were kind of like the conservatives in theology. The Pharisees is what we're talking about, though. They added much, though, even though they held sound doctrine, they added much tradition. A lot of tradition. Anything, it, this goes across the board. I've said this before. Religion, business, politics, any group, any organization, anything that becomes successful, after a while it gets bogged down with its own traditions. It, it happens to everything. And you have to, like a tree, clean it and purge it. Even churches. But these Pharisees, they, they, were very, they believed the Bible. They added layers of tradition. That's what they got upset about Jesus, with Jesus about. You're breaking their tradition. You're breaking the tradition of the fathers. And they despised others. What I'd like to do with our time is I want to look at two, I want to look at two negative traits here, but to get some positive things from two negative traits, okay? Because Jesus is purposely warning the disciples and us really not to be like this. But I want to get some positive things as we look at their negative traits and not make this all negative. Number one, I want you to see as a matter of fact in this text, and we can see it in life, is this. There are simply are bad people in good places. It's just a fact. There, there can be bad men in good, good places. We think bad people are in bad places. But bad people in good places exist, and here's one of them. Notice the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2. He speaks to the disciples of multitudes, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Okay? The scribes and the Pharisees, by and large, he's, are the bad guys he's going after. And then he identifies where their, what their office is, what their position is. And it's not bad. They sit in Moses' seat. That is a statement for they're in a place of teaching authority. They're in a place where they're teaching Moses, Moses' seat. They are in the, they're in a legitimate office of teaching. They are teaching from a legitimate book, the Old Testament, Moses. Notice his next words. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. Think about what Jesus just said. In light of the fact that he's going he's gonna to rip them in this chapter. He says, the scribes and Pharisees, they, have the, they, have a, they sit in Moses' seat. They're teaching the Bible. They're teaching from a biblical, legitimate office. Everything they're teaching, do it. He, per, not the tradition. In light of Moses, in light of the Bible... Not in light of their opinion, not in light of what they add for tradition. Whatever they're telling you in light of that Moses plain Bible teaching, do it. But then he says, but don't do like they do. For they say and do not. 
Um, they're in the right place, they have the right book, but they have a wrong example. There's just bad people in good places. I remember, okay, let me, before I tell you this, sometimes we have the tendency to do this. If we hear somebody, if, if there's somebody that's, okay, let me just use a, a kind of a secular example. This has drove me crazy and probably a lot of you crazy this last year. Um, the, uh, the Floyd incident in Minnesota being mistreated, in, and I'm upset about that just like everybody else. But what was people's reaction when you have a person in a place of legitimate authority mistreating somebody? What was the reaction from a lot? The place of authority is just scrap it. The police uh, abused somebody. And then maybe they found out somebody else a few months later or three months earlier abused somebody. And so what's the reaction? The reaction is, oh, scrap the police. Defund the police. The police, no, wait a minute. (laughs) Defund the police? That's the right authority. That's proper authority. It's an improper person, and there's a very small percentage of people doing that, right? But let's scrap the police. So we're reacting the wrong way to a bad situation. They, they, you know, um, or people, people, like, they get tired of, you know, politics, and they get tired of a, the presidents, different presidents. My favorite, now, the, now this one's not, and the next one is, and I just hate politics. I don't like the, you don't, we, we need to honor the office. Honor the office of the president. That's why I won't want to, I don't want to laugh if my president uh, trips going up the stairs. No. I didn't vote for him, but I'm not going to laugh because I want to honor the office. It's embarrassing. If we speak down, I'm a, you've, said, you've heard me say it. Uh, he, this current president, is put his hand on the Bible and he's advocating godless things. And I'm praying against it and I'll speak against it. And he's going to have to give an account for God. And we will too as much as we vote. But as far as the office goes, we have to learn to have a, still a respect for it. It's like, you know what? God put him there ultimately. And so, I, I, I'm, for, so Jesus says, here's these scribes and Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat, whatever they're teaching, do it. As far as the scripture goes, do it. Do you know there's a scripture? See, some of you are like, this is new to you. It's like, no, if I don't like them, then I don't do what they say. No, wait a second. If, it's, if they're teaching, if somebody's teaching you God's book, it's God's book. It's God's book. Um, if you were in a church and there was a bad pastor, don't say pastors are all bad. Don't say church is all bad. Don't say, I don't believe in the pastorate. No, it's an ordained office. That guy was bad. The things he may have done was bad. His office is to be honored and the book he taught is to be honored. For God's glory. And the people that have, may have failed God's standards are what we need to discern and say, well, that, that's not a good person and that person needs to be rejected or avoided. Let's, let's look at something real quick. Look in Hebrews 13.7. Hebrews 13.7. You know, it's all, we have to just be discerning and not run to extremes when something disturbs us. Hebrews 13, 7, at the end of the book, it says, towards the end of this chapter, pardon me, towards the end of the book, about the middle of the chapter, 
He says, remember them which have the rule over you. That's talking about your leaders. Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So there's two things. There's a, well, it says, think about who's teaching you the Bible, he says. Remember that? The one who's teaching you the Bible. And that faith, follow that faith that they're declaring and that they're teaching. But while you're following that faith, consider the end of their, where are they going? Consider the end of their conversation. Where's their lifestyle trekking to? It's okay to watch the lifestyle of a Christian leader, a pastor, or whatever, say, where's their life headed? And, and kind of keep a di discernment between both. Hopefully they're the same. That's what a leader's supposed to do. But it may be going like this, but the teaching's right and the life is not. Paul said, you know what Paul said in Hebrew, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. He, he wanted people to actually follow him based on his attachment and following of Jesus Christ, not just because of his own uh, intrinsic value. There's bad men can be found in good places. Sometimes teachers fail to be as good as the book they teach. That's what we see here that Jesus is indicating to, to the disciples. Back to chapter 23. He's telling, he's telling the multitude, he says, hey, multitude, in case any of you are out there thinking about burning your books of Moses, don't do it. In case any of you are out there thinking about, you know, all people that teach the Bible, they're all corrupt, don't do it. In case you think that there's nothing legitimate about the office of teaching in this temple, don't do that. It's just these guys are bad, and he goes on to describe what's wrong with them. But whatever they're teaching, what they're teaching from the book is right. I, I, Brother Adam may have remembered this. I don't know if he was, he may have been a teenager at the time, but there was another teenager when I was at teen camp. I took a bunch of teens to camp, and I'm pretty sure Adam was a teen at the time, an older one. And there was another teen, and he always had these struggles, and it was always like he would base his decisions, his spiritual decisions of doing right or not on however if he couldn't find any hypocrites around him. Well, he could always find hypocrites around him. And it was like, well, you know, because there was some good, hard preaching during the week of camp, and we dealt with them. And I remember one time counseling with this guy, and I think Adam even came out there and tried to be a good friend to him. And, and uh, his, his main issue was he's like, he pointed out this one pastor, a pastor that I knew. He's like, well, this guy has this in his life. And, and then he says, well, this other teenager and this other guy, and he, he was kind of like nitpicking everybody's little problems that they saw. And, he, and his reason for not basically living for Jesus Christ, just being a Christian, was that other Christians weren't as good and he found them to be hypocrites. So he wanted to throw the whole thing away. And, um, and we need to be a good example so we can encourage people not to. But I was trying to help him see that, you know, we need to do right no matter what. So it's just a fact, there's bad men in good places, but we need to reject, uh, we should not reject the office. We should honor the office, honor those positions that God has ordained. We should honor the book of God. You know, the, 
it, it, it does make, in a way, you can, we can make the Bible look bad if we don't live it. We can. But does it make it untrue? It doesn't make it untrue. It just doesn't help in its promos, right? So we need to honor the book. We do need to try to be an example to help people. Number two, um, just another thing here about these scribes and Pharisees. They say and do not. And that's really on the heels of the first point. But Jesus, notice what he says, verse 3. All therefore they, they bid you observe that, observe and do. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. Don't live like they live. Again, again here's our problem. I, I've seen people, this is what I've seen. Um, people can become more focused on another person's lifestyle. And Jesus says, they, they do not after their works. For they say and do not. Let me just go to the, let me just say it this way. Verse 4, he says, They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And that's interesting. I think what happened was the Pharisees, they knew the Bible, they taught the Bible, but they added extra stuff like, okay, this is a law for the, for the Jews. You know, you rest on the Sabbath day. <clears throat> and they, they added layer upon layer. Yeah, you can only walk this far. I mean, don't, don't hardly do anything. I mean, if somebody's sick, you know, if you got, a kid's got a runny nose, sorry. You know, keep them away from me again. They just added layer upon, like, hyper, uh, they added too much to it. And they laid burdens on people. Maybe they, maybe they said that it burdens about how much a person should do in order to please God or how much a person should um, pr pray or how much a person should fast. Maybe they, they were adding something, heavy layers of a to-do list. This is what the Pharisees were doing. I don't know all the specifics. I could dig into their history and stuff and find out. But they were adding extra do this, do this, do this, do that. Man, it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And when you peered back the, the curtain and looked in their life, they didn't do any of that stuff. They looked like they did, but they didn't. Burdened with extra stuff. They say and do not. So let's, let's just pause for a second. Now let's just ask ourselves. Um, Forget, let, let, all of us are example to somebody. Somebody's watching it. Your neighbor's watching you. Your kids are watching you. People at work are watching you. We're watching each other. And some of us have the extra um, responsibility of teaching in school, in church, in your home, at work. We gotta, we gotta make sure that we don't have this Pharisee tendency. It's, it's easy, where we say but we don't do. Now I'm not saying that you say and sometimes you fail to, in your doing and you make mistakes. It's just that we say, "Hey, be honest," but then we definitely are not honest. We say, um, "Be kind." We tell people to be kind, but then when people are dealing with us, we're not very kind. If that's my habit, then I'm, I'm bent toward a Pharisee. You know, it's like as a parent, it's, this happens as a parent. 
there's all these little things. I'm like, I got these parameters I got to keep in my house here, okay? You know, um, clean up after yourself. Well, I'm going to clean up after myself too. Um, you know, be kind to your brother. Well, I'm going to be kind to my kids and be kind to my wife. You know, ladies, you tell your, if you tell your children to, 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 to not argue with your dad or, or their dad and respect their dad, well, that, that's good, but also make sure that when you're talking to them, you're not arguing and disrespecting him in front of them too. We've got to say and do to help with the example. I remember there was a young person I talked to one time that they're struggling to obey their parent. and they, I, I, This is one of the things that I, when I really would counsel kids, sometimes their things would be like, they would, some kids struggle with, in their home. It's because they're just, a, usually the kids that are a rebel, they wouldn't want to counsel with me anyway, so I kind of fished that out. But some kids struggle in their home because they're like, well, my mom or my dad isn't always, you know, being the Christian they ought to be. And they'd struggle in describing that to me and, and saying, you know, almost like, uh, I don't, why should I obey them? They do this, they do that, and the other thing. Why should I listen to them? And I remember those one young person, they, they were struggling, they were talking about their parent, and they, they were struggling doing what their parents said while they were in the home. And um, I knew the parent, and they said, um, and I don't think it was like some, there was nothing gross, bad. But they said, I, I have to have a hard time because this parent goes to church, this parent is involved here at the church, but at home, this parent, there's no walk with God at all. And this young person said, I have a hard time respecting what they're telling me when I see that they're very plugged in at church, but at home there's nothing, there, there's, there's, there's no walk with God. I don't detect a spiritual walk with God at all. And I have a hard time listening to what they're telling me to do in light of that because it seems like there's two different things. They said, because there's no walk. And I said, well, if they're telling you if whatever they tell you to do, you do, unless it's jump off a cliff or kill yourself while you're in the home. You know, if they're telling you to go steal something or do something immoral or ungodly, of course you say no. You obey God rather than man. But as far as this <clears throat> ancillary things and stuff that's this, this time of when to be home and how to have the dishes done, do what they say. Well, I don't like to have the dishes being done that way. Well, they do and do what they say. You don't have a Bible verse to go against that. Thou shalt have them dried uh, an hour later. You know, I, I mean, th- th- some of this stuff is dumb. Do what your parent says unless they're abusing you. We, somebody needs to know about that. Somebody needs to know about that. Or telling you to kill yourself, and we don't ever hear that often. It could, but, you know, do what they say. Well, they're hypocrites. They, they sing in church, but they're, they yell at home. Well, that's, let God deal with that. And they need to be a good example. See, when we put ourselves in that position, we're like, I don't want to be like that. Exactly. But then on the other side, when the kids are like that, we, got, we still got to obey anyways. So like we, have to kind of, we have to kind of fix both of these sides here. But they say and do not. So all for, for our purposes, I don't want to be one of these. I want to do what I'm saying. And I fail at it sometimes, but I don't want to act like I'm doing it. 
I don't want to act like I'm one thing and be another thing. So, they're, they're, so um, parental example, being a good parental example helps other people. Being an example of the believer for all of us should help. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 12, to be thou an example of the believer. In word, in conversation, that's our lifestyle. In faith, in charity, in spirit, in purity. I must, you and I must be an example of the believer. Here's what the Bible says and here's what my life says. And hopefully they're saying the same thing. <clears throat> um, I, I remember reading about this young lady that, and I told you this before, this was, um, I read about this and it was a blessing to me to read about this. Uh, I read about a Christian man, he, he worked, this, it was a guy who wrote a book and he's talking about dealing with young people and how to help them. And he said this, he worked at a camp, he was working at a camp as a counselor, Christian camp, and, and kids would respond to the, they'd have messages, chapel services, kids would respond to the messages. And he said that um, they, during one of the preaching times, there was an invitation for people to come forward and have prayer. And he said one time there was a young, young lady that came and, and, uh, and it was out in the open and he didn't take her aside or anything, but a young lady came and there was nobody else to help. So he sat down there and, and sat down and talked with her. Um, because she needed a counselor. She was having a hard time. She was crying and everything, this young lady. She asked counselors to help her, and this one counselor, this man who wrote this book, began to counsel her, and here's what he records. He said, we sat down in the front row of this chapel. Uh, everybody else was around being counseled. We sat down in the front row, and through many tears, this is Zig's story. She said, through many tears, she tells her heartbreaking story of being molested by her own father. Several, three times a week since she was four years old, according to her. And she said she never told anyone about this, and she carried a great sense of guilt about it throughout her life as if it was her fault. As she told the story, the counselor says, I noticed that she had some marks on her wrist, scars, he says, tell me about your wrists. Well, I tried to kill myself. He said, well, why didn't you do it? Killing yourself is pretty easy. She said, well, that's what I was going to start telling you. I, I got to thinking. Because she had been attending this church that brought her up to the camp. She says, I got to thinking. We have this youth pastor at our church. And then she thought, the counselor thought, oh, no. I'm not going to hear a bad story now, but it wasn't. She said, we have this youth pastor at work, and, and he, he got married a few years ago, and, and I've just been watching him. I've been watching him and his wife and how he treats his wife and holds her hand, gives her a little hug in front of everybody. This is like new stuff for her. He's a gentleman. He opens the door for her. And uh, one day I was even at church and most people were gone and I looked through the window. The youth pastor had already got, walked out and I looked through the window and saw him walking out there with his wife getting in the car and I watched and he went over. And this to her was amazing. He went over to her side of the door, her side, and opened the door for her. And she got in, he closed the door and he walked all the way around the other side and nobody else was around to see it. He did it with nobody looking. 
She, of course, she was looking. She was amazed by that. So she's telling this counselor all the story of her being abused, and she was going to slit her wrist but didn't. The story of the youth pastor, and the counselor was like, so what is the point? What, what are you telling me all this? Well, I got to thinking about this. Youth. I mean, I was going to kill myself, but I got to thinking as I've been going to this church, and I've seen this family, and the good example there, I got to thinking that my youth pastor's probably a Christian, huh? And he says, yeah, your youth pastor's probably a Christian. And she said, you know, I guess not all men are like my dad, are they? Her dad that abused her. And the Christian worker says, no, not all men are like your dad was. Well, then I think I want to be a Christian. And that was her decision. And she accepted the Lord right there. And all of it because of a good example. The power of a good example. Now, we look at that like, that's no big deal. Some people don't see anybody that's true. So here's my point. Not everybody's a hypocrite. Not everybody's a phony. Not everybody is as far as living out, carrying out the Christian life. We all sin. We all fail. That's what this is about. And this covers the sin of hypocrites and non-hypocrites that are still sinners. This, this, he died for all of our sins, whether we consider ourselves a Pharisee or not, and he, and he was buried. The just for the unjust went to the cross for us that he might bring us to God. So we've all sinned to some extent. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God, and that's why Jesus came to make us right with God. But now we want to add to the better crowd. And not be a Pharisee. Pharisees are not going to help this country. Being a Pharisee is not going to help your kids. Being a Pharisee is not going to help our neighbors. Being a Pharisee is not going to help people at work. And these, so I'm like, I need to put this away. And I want to be a good example. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be true. If I have a set of rules, I'm going to keep my own rules. If I put some rules on others, I'm going to keep those too. Else I'm a hypocrite and I'm a Pharisee. So let's just be Christians, is what Jesus is getting at. And we're going to, well, Lord willing, pursue through this chapter in the days ahead to help us to purge out any of this fungus that could be growing on us.